Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Living Free, we explore the intersection between real estate and home construction for seniors. Today's guest is Peter Fall Ranger from Access Built, a specialist company for in-home evaluations, remodeling, and adaptive construction. Access Built was launched in 2020 in Miami with plans to grow nationally. Prior to Access Built, Peter spent a decade in the hospice industry. Peter, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Peter. Hey, thanks guys for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born in Detroit, Michigan, grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and then moved to Miami to uh, work for a hospice company named Vitas Healthcare. I spent about a decade there. And then after that, you could probably imagine it was pretty heavy. So I took about, I took a sabbatical of about four or five years and traveled around the world. I'm now back in Miami and working with a great team and with Access Built to really make a difference. You know, Peter. You know, I'm a huge fan of Detroit. You know, <laughs> you know that. So it's both- Detroit, Alex. <laughs> exactly. So, tell us a little bit about how you got. I mean, obviously, you have a of a career in, in helping people and bringing specialists um, uh, to to serve the greater good. Tell us a bit about what's what got you interested in Access Built. Well, it's a it's one of those cases of doing well by doing good. There's uh, 1% of the U.S. housing stock is accessible. And the latest estimate I heard was 30% of U.S. citizens and residents require some sort of accessibility. So of all of the issues that are currently confronting the real estate market, accessibility is one of the biggest and least talked about. So I was talking with uh, the woman who founded this company, Tony Randolph, who had an experience with her husband as he was aging and transitioning out where they couldn't really find great places to live that met the physical safety requirements. Um, another, another aspect of it is when I worked at Vitas, their sister company was Roto-Rooter. And I always thought that there were a lot of synergies between the two of them, but we could never kind of walk down that middle line. So Access Built is able to do that where we can take into consideration the the clinical, the emotional, the psychosocial issues and actually do some physical safety retrofitting to ensure that people can age in place. You know, one of the things I noticed when we were in hospice or not noticed, one of the one of the characteristics of hospice People want to stay in their home. No one really wants to go to another facility, but it's hard to stay in your home if it's not safe. Now, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, obviously, hospice is a bit towards the latter part of, of, of life. But I think for a lot of Americans, life just begins uh, at 65. You know, when you when you retire um, you, you're now, you're now moving on to another part of your, of your, of your, basically your, your life and you need to do things. And, um, your statistic of 30% of Americans is accurate, but it's actually higher for those that are, um, over the age of 65. As a matter of fact, I think it was 64.8% of all humans acquire some form of disability 
after the age of 65, whether that's a bad hip or bad knee, and they need help and need adaptation in their homes in order to live properly. So there is a massive, and we all know that the that everyone ages, right? we all get older. Unfortunately, more, yes. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, right? And then there are more people uh, in, the, in, the, in America that are over the age of 65 than ever before. So there's a massive need for adaptation. Now, your company, what do they do? They go in, uh, they assess uh, and evaluate the need, and then what happens? Then we'll write up. So we'll get a call and we'll go into someone's home. Generally, it's from the adult children of parents who are a little bit uh, worried about their parents' safety at home. You know, they're having that discussion of where's mom going to be the safest? You know, she's got this step down living room. She's got a, a curb that she has to step over to get into to the bathroom. How do we keep her safe at home? Because she's told us our whole life that she doesn't want to go to a nursing home. So they'll call us and we'll send in a certified assessor to take a look at their home and to discuss with the elderly or with the with the residents what their concerns are. You know, a lot of times it's things that aren't necessarily safety, but they want to have um, for comfort. But then the, the safety is really where the value is provided. I was talking with a financial advisor the other day who deals with seniors and um, convincing her that the single greatest investment an elderly person can make is fall prevention. In terms of ROI, if, a, if someone over the age of 65 has a fall resulting in an emergency room visit, but for you know, 1,000, 2,000, even, even more, a little bit more, you can prevent a fall, which will save hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical expenses and prolong life by several years. Well, it's not just um, and falling is what I guess the big one of the biggest concerns with seniors. But um, yeah, I think you just people don't even realize how how little things around the apartment can be hard to handle. Little things around the house can be hard to handle. Um, you re if I recently had a surgery and I can't use the left part, the, my left arm for certain things. And all of a sudden you realize just opening hurricane doors to a balcony or being able to reach up to a cabinet that's over a stove that you don't think of as something an issue with an older person has a problem with if they have a bad hip or a bad shoulder or bad back. I mean, the, the, the actual uh, modifications that can be required or, or that can improve the quality of life in an apartment in a home is much more than people even think of just a bar in the bathroom and a ramp to go up the stairs, right? Yeah, those are, those are the easy solutions that most people know. And um, we try, when, when there are those solutions for people who are more concerned about aesthetics, we try to put in fancy grab bars and uh, rather than a ramp, raise up the pavers or, or raise up the tiles so it doesn't look like it's a, it's a clinical ramp. But you make a good point. Doorknobs, the round doorknobs are very difficult to open if you have arthritis. A lever doorknob is a lot better. Um, kitchen cabinets, the hardware on the kitchen cabinets can play a huge difference in whether someone's able to open it you know, with their elbow versus having to reach in and grab a small, tiny thing to pull it open. And this is one of the interesting things that I've found um, that a lot of these modifications, when you're doing it, when you're retrofitting, it's a lot more expensive than if someone had been thoughtful, if the architect and the developer and the construction people had been more thoughtful at the upside. So for example, 
you want to you generally want to have at least a 32 inch wide doorway preferably even 36 um, to if you ever have a wheelchair or you need to get in there to do that in my bathroom here if it's got a 28 inch doorway currently i got an estimate from our assessor it would cost about eight thousand dollars to change it from a 28 inch to a 36 inch door because you'd have to go in change all of the framing if it were done at the get-go, the difference would be, I'm not kidding you, $1 additional to put in a 36-inch doorway instead of a 28-inch doorway. So with a little bit of forethought and with these design principles, there, there's no reason why you shouldn't put in a 36-inch doorway, which able-bodied people would you know, appreciate and probably not even notice. But for people who have a little bit more of a challenge, they would appreciate it and it would lead to extreme improvements in, uh, in safety and risk mitigation. So it sounds like you uh, and the team need to, to more advantageous for you to be more upstream in the, in the construction process and working. If someone wants to build a home, for example, and they're talking to an architect, having you and your team in access built partner with the customer to help guide them and make the right decisions, because even the architect may not be thinking about all that, right? Well, there are, um, you know, there's a there's a tremendous number of architects and builders uh, who are uh, National Builders Association has a certified aging in place specialist certification and architects know the ADA requirements. But there's a there's a little bit more than that as well, because there's such a large psychological component to living safely. Like I mentioned earlier, people don't want the clinical grab bars in there, you know, next to their toilet, but you could put in rather than a standard 14 inch high toilet, you put in a 17 inch high toilet. And instead of a, a large stainless steel grab bar next to it, you put in a structural toilet paper holder. It looks like it's a toilet paper holder, but you can lean on it and you can use that to get up. So these are the little things that um, in from a systemic view really could add a lot from the design phase. And we have a consulting arm where we work with residential and commercial developers to ensure that, yes, it's ADA compliant, but everyone can make it ADA compliant these days. This is really to increase it to a level of safety and comfort from a holistic perspective. Yeah, well, I mean, you say ADA compliant. I mean, it's really just human compliant, right? I mean, I think that um, no one benefits from a complicated kitchen, right? I think whether or not you're... Except the kitchen maker. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, if you're, if you're 65 or you're 35 or you're five years old, you know, the, you have challenges with things, uh, doorways, heights of cabinets, um, the the strength that it takes to open or move appliances, and all that just varies at, 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 any, at any given life stage. So it's not just about designing for senior, it's designing to just be more free and, and have things more accessible and more available um, and just living more comfortably. And this is where the thoughtfulness comes in. Jamie, you mentioned earlier about your, I'm assuming a sliding hurricane door, right? Exactly, yes. So, so for those, uh, for, for the people who are, aren't in Miami, the hurricane doors are, you know, structurally sound to withstand up to 200 mile or more per hour winds. 
but the hurricane code trumps the ADA code. So Jamie, at your house, I imagine that there's a lip at the bottom of the hurricane door that Absolutely. has a, a track that comes up anywhere from two to four inches. That's required by hurricane. And if you're walking out there or trying to roll out there, it doesn't work uh, for someone who, who is prone to tripping. The solution to that is at the design phase, put in hurricane-proof French doors, which have zero threshold, and you can literally roll out without any tripping hazard. But a lot of these developers, they don't think about that. Everyone has done sliding doors, and I have trouble even with a good shoulder sliding open my door. It's, it's heavy, man. It, it is heavy, and I, you make up a good point, and I think perhaps we should get the interior designers more involved in uh, in this process at an earlier age, so that the people that actually have the vision of what the, the room should look like or the home should look like, if they can uh, incorporate these type of adjustments and improvements and, and make it aesthetically beautiful and get their get their work in an architectural digest and things like that, that I think can really spur the movement on that it can be practical and without taking away from the physical beauty of the room. Well, here's a simple example, Jamie, an armchair. I mean, I, uh, you guys have arms on your chairs right now. I can't really see it. But if, um, if you have an armchair where the arms come out further forward than where the seat ends, it makes a world of difference for people who have trouble standing up because they can lean forward, push up on those arms and stand up on their own than your standard armchairs where when you're leaning forward, the only place you can grab on is behind you. So it's it's simple center of gravity type of things. Doesn't cost- That can, that can come in pretty handy even if you're coming home late at night and you're sitting around and wanna to try to get up, even if, you're, if, you, if you don't have any challenges in terms of bad shoulders or arms or back, but I, I get your point liver mitigation if you want to call it <laughs> exactly <laughs> i got a liver issue so i need a chair that makes it easy to stand up <laughs> yeah and they i mean some of them are beautiful designer type well look i mean i think that uh you i think you pointed it out if you can make functional furniture uh and items and items in the home beautiful right if you can add an aesthetic that makes it um, a, a beautiful way to live at the same time it's functional and it's safe, then that's that changes the game for everybody. Then no longer says that I have to have a chair that looks like it's a chair for someone that's disabled or a bathroom that looks like um, a, uh, you know, that the safety and then warning signs all over it, but they have something that looks awesome, uh, and that, and it feels awesome because it, it's, it's functional, then, then I, you know, then I have to have it. And then it becomes a, not only a requirement, but it becomes a, um, um, a, it, it, it becomes a, uh, a thing that everyone just kind of needs to have in their house and, and, and it, it blows up. And so I think there's a huge opportunity to transform like, the narrative around the need for all of this stuff right i mean it's it's potentially will change everything that we that we that we know right yeah and there's a incredibly large psychosocial aspect to making these modifications no one wants to admit that they're getting older and weaker and more and unsteady so it's um if 
if you put in something that looks clinical, there's a lot of pushback from saying, man, I'm not that old. One of the common, uh, push, common pushbacks that we get is, oh, I'll put those grab bars in when I need them. The problem with that is that when you need them, you're halfway to the floor. And if they're not there, then they're not serving any purpose. So we want to get them in there, but also deal with the emotional aspect of it. There's um, a big part of our evaluation is the discussion with the residents of whatever home about how they need to accept the fact that they're getting older and put in these safety devices without, um, with, and not be as concerned that their interior decorator wouldn't like it or that their friends, when they come over for a party, would laugh at them. I mean, getting over the, the ego is one of the most powerful forces in the world. And getting over that, there's a, um, the psychosocial aspect is extremely important. We need to make grab bars cool again. So maybe, maybe is it like um, Martha Stewart and Snoop, Snoop Dogg doing a, doing, <laughs> doing a grab bar dance? I don't know. We got we to make sure that we, uh, more people know that, that these things are, 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 uh, are sexy and, and interesting. That pride thing is, a, is such a big issue. Even people who might need a, a cane or a walker who don't want to be seen needing a cane or a walker, it's the same thing. It's almost like you don't want to have to admit to yourself that you need help now and you're not going to admit to yourself nor you're going to admit to anybody else and like we've been saying before if we can make it a cool thing if we can make it easy to retrofit and then all of a sudden it's not a big as big a deal that you have a home that's easier to handle as you're getting a little older but you can stay in your home as you said earlier peter people don't want to be removed from their homes and have to go live somewhere where they're cared for 24 seven or where it's viewed that way. And so that's the advantage of all this is to get around. So a person can still be proud that they can take care of themselves and they can enjoy life in their own home. They can age in place comfortably and safely. So where does the future uh, play out? Like where, where are we going right now? Both. I think you mentioned that clearly you do residential, but there's also commercial applications for this. Uh, I think about, you know, obviously you're in your home or in your building, but getting into your home and into your building that, that the, the last 500 meters. Um, so the streets, blocks, the avenues, um, the, 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 the driveways and all, all the things around how you live, the built world uh, has to change and adapt for all of this, right? Because humans, as we discussed earlier, are uh, in need of a different more safe and more adaptive environment. And we need to start thinking about that both in the home and, and, and around it. So where do we see this going uh, between now and, you know, and 10, 20 years from now? I think it's uh, in order to answer that, you need to break it into two parts. There's um, inside your front door and outside your front door. And on the inside of your front door, that's where um, I hope that in new construction, the developers will be putting in this universal design because quite frankly, it's in their own financial interest because it opens, it, it increases the uh, number of potential buyers by 50%. They would be able to, you know, to market to disabled communities, to senior communities that this is a safe place to live. On the outside of the front door, um, you know, you've got to have the wide hallways, you've got to have the elevator access and the parking, 
But there's also that we partner with AARP and they have a project and uh, uh, ethos really called livable communities. So what are the community areas that are right there? Can you walk somewhere safely? Are the sidewalks, uh, municipal sidewalks designed in such a way where you can roll to a senior center or you, a blind person is able to you know, use their, you know, be able to safely cross the street? And what are the transportation options? I think this is where it's, it's exciting with some of the new on-demand transportation where it can get someone from their home out into the social aspect. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that can be done. The biggest, the, the best way to do it from a financial perspective is to plan it from the design phase rather than the retrofit phase. So I'm hoping with all these uh, new developments, new construction that, um, that we'll have that. It sounds like it's also an educational process because like anything else with more demand for a product, people will appear to create the, 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 the product to solve that demand. And I wonder how many people even are aware that there are things we can do pre-construction or after construction. How many people are aware that there are companies like Access Built that are out there that can actually make a difference and can make the whole process easy, understandable with expert advice. So how much of this is educational and where can we go in the future? Where should we be looking in terms of educating not only the designers, but also even the public to this, that this is available? Well, you know, I think from that standpoint, I, it has to just start happening. And I think that um, in some aspects, if you give people the option to raise their hand, they may not do it. I look at my my iPhone, for example. Um, there's a there's a huge button in the iPhone that that says accessibility, and it's blue, and it has this sort of this standard branding of disability in the iPhone. But at the same time, there's also a simple button that I can press to increase the size of the font. And there's a simple button that I can press to 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 turn the, um, the 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 ring on the phone into a vibrate. And so, if I want to go accessibility, I can do that. But if I just want something that has a that that is more adaptive, more functional for me, I can do that also. And it's not necessarily labeled as accessibility. And I think that. What, what, what's unique about Apple is that they're providing both two options. Say, hey, look, if you want the things that you may need if, you're, if, you're dis if you have a disability, um, but not call it a disability, it's, it's, it's here. But if you want uh, disability um, uh, applications and features and functionality, you can go over here. So they gave us, they're giving us a choice. And I think that the, the less obvious you make these changes, um, that 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 and I think that avoids the bias associated with it. I think the better people are to adapt uh, and and to, to to form into it. Well, Alex, I would say that a lot of that is in your head. You don't want to say you don't want to admit that you need accessible design. Right. right, right. But it's it's a lot easier for old guys like us to uh, have bigger fonts. So there's a. There's a hesitancy. What does it mean, like us? What does it mean, like us? You're talking about yourself over there. 
<laughs> Jamie, you're talking about your bad shoulder. Alex is talking about his bad eyes. I've got a bad hip today, and you know, I had trouble getting in the bathtub. We're getting older, and we all nice need uplifting a podcast life. episode. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just a hangover. That's what that's called. <laughs> but you know, that's why a lot of what we're doing, we don't call it accessible design. We call it universal design because everyone can go in. There's, there's accessible design, which has been historically the, the term that people have used. There's a visitability, you know, can, if, if you have someone in a wheelchair come over to your house, can they at least get into your first floor bedroom? Can they get over your front door? But then there's universal design and, um, you know, living in Miami and looking at all of the, all of the new places, the, the hip thing these days is a roll-in shower where there's no threshold to go in. It's just gently sloped. And that is perfect for someone in a wheelchair or someone in a walker, but it also looks cool to, uh, you know, the, the Soho club type of crowd. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because you, you know, when I look at that disability and the definition of disability it breaks down to like four key areas, there's sensory, there's physical, there's cognitive and environmental. And, and what we don't realize is that you know, if you, if you're, allergic to certain fabrics and materials, that in itself is, is, a, is, is a form of disability. And, and the hypoallergenic nature of the materials and what you need and all that good stuff gets is, is something that needs to be thought through ahead of time to make, make sure that you don't deal with complications later. But I think to the point that was made earlier, it's not just, this is the stuff that's happening um, in your front door, I guess you, you mentioned. The stuff that's happening outside your front door gets into um, developers, government, um, um, the community, and more people just need to, to, to have access to access built or someone um, from that organization to help think that through. I think AARP is only the beginning uh, if, it's, if it's partnerships with the Lowe's of the world, Lowe's, but Lowe's, Home Depot's, um, Walmart's, even the companies that are ha- that that sell and service to the to the to seniors are the companies that need to start thinking about it and partnering with companies like yourself um, to make that happen. And I think you make a good point there in terms of mental uh, health, uh, cognitive abilities, uh, in the same way that there, I'm sure there, there are ways we could reach out, uh, that this industry can reach out to the healthcare community that services the mental health patient that helps them in terms of what kind of environment is more calming, is more suited to somebody to be able to be comfortable at home, to feel safe at home, and uh, to be happy in their own environment. Well, you know, these, these sorts of modifications were something that uh, we examined in detail in the hospice world. But the issue there was that, you know, with a median length of stay for a hospice patient of 14 days, there wasn't enough time to recoup the investment. Um, One of the projects that I'm really excited about right now are accessory dwelling units or ADUs. There's a lot of zoning law changes. I think California just did it statewide. There's a lot of municipalities in Florida and throughout the rest of the country where with no change to your, um, with no change to your zoning, you can get a permit to install an ADU also known as mother-in-law suite or uh, guest house or cottage or whatever whatever vernacular you want to use, where you can drop in. I know in one municipality here, it's an 800 square foot max unit. So we're working with a couple of manufacturers of prefab housing, 
where we can't, we have our, we're putting our access built uh, seal of approval on it, where it's fully universal design. They come in, they can drop it in place. All you do is lay a foundation and put in the electrical and the plumbing. And then we put it in place. It's hurricane proof. It's a uh, category five rated and it has zero thresholds. Some of them even have the uh, Hoyer track in the ceiling for where people could on their own, if they're not ambulatory, have a track come, pick them out of bed, take them, lower them into the bathtub. These can be installed for $80 a square foot. Basically, in addition for somebody in your home, in your family that you want to bring into your home because they're no longer able to take care of themselves. And it's an easy addition that can be dropped right in a plug and play, uh, which would solve a lot of the requirements without you having to think about all the requirements you'd have to do individually to your own home to cre recreate this addition for somebody, correct? That, that's one option. Another option is a rental. And then what we're seeing more and more is elderly people living in the principal home where it's just too expensive to modify it, where they install an ADU, they move into the ADU, and then they rent out or let other family members live in the principal residence. Well, that's interesting. I think that, um, and then you have your um, your live-in support system. I think there's some organizations, um, companies, I think in Finland, I believe, they, they've got um, uh, programs for, for students uh, to live free um, if they agree to live with a senior uh, and then provide help and service and support. I think a lot of it had to do with more of the mental health um, uh, than it was the physical health. But it, you know, I think it's still, it's still an issue uh, that that affects one's life after a certain age. So I think there's a lot of different ways that that both the physical environment, i.e., ABUs, and the um, the the human environment, you know, sort of as in, as in like either hospice or individuals that can come in and help can help solve the problem. I also think that there's an issue, there's an opportunity for technology to have a play, right? And I mentioned earlier about Apple, um, but I know that Microsoft has a huge um, division. I think they have a chief accessibility officer now that's really thinking about how they're um, applying technology, both hardware and software to help solve some of these issues and really uh, many case studies. But I think, I think, you know, when you got the, the big powerhouses um, like technology companies, Microsoft and, and Apple thinking about this, I'm sure Amazon is probably not too far away from this. Um, things start to change, right? We're going to start seeing this in the world uh, uh, a lot more really, really soon. And the question is, how do we, how do we, um, or how does access built sort of take advantage of that and be able to get in the front, the, the front end of all of, of the future of all of this, um, of this really exciting, you know, exciting space? Well, it, it's exciting because technology is finally caught up to the idea of, of safety. Uh, 20 years ago, I was involved in the IEEE Home Technology for Safety program. And they were talking about in installing microphones that could do gait analysis to see if someone's walking steadily or if it, you know, if it's tap, 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 or tap, 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 tap which is predictive of a fall. Well, like or, getting a or, or, or dancing salsa. I mean. <laughs> or dancing. I think that was more of a Roomba, but I'll, I'll go with you. You're, but the, now... Um, 
there's microphones in every room. We have an Alexa and a Google Assistant in this room right here. And we have a technology program where we can install this technology. I did it in my mom's house. I made sure that every room had an Alexa in it. Um, she, she likes the Alexa better than the other virtual assistants. Basically, it's like I've fallen and I can't get up, but for the whole new age with advanced technology. No, it's more like I've, I've, fallen, I've fallen and I can't get up and I want to... I want to roll a toilet paper. <laughs> well, there's, there's different. So after Alexa hears that you've fallen and you can't get up, there's different things that can be programmed in there. It could call your neighbor. It could call your closest daughter, or it could call 911, depending on how you configure it. It could call your insurance company. It could call your telehealth. There are all sorts of things. And well, it, it, should, it should also be able to call access built. <laughs> to, come, to come in and install something. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> that's, that's the follow-up, Alex. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of responsibility which comes with that emergency response. But there are other sensors in the house that are exciting as well, like um, cameras. Assuming that the resident is uh, is open to that type of privacy uh, implication. Um, there's sensors on the refrigerator that can tell you when people are eating on the stovetop to see if you've turned off the stove that can track some of the some of the cognitive issues that that seniors experience. There's, um, you know, there's pads that you put next on the floor next to the bed, which will uh, alert if you get up out of bed in the middle of the night and track it to see. Um, there's all sorts of exciting things, and we are partnered with Apple. If you have an Apple Watch on and you fall, it can be programmed where the, the accelerometer will notify your Siri that there's been a fall. It'll say, hey, Alex, Jamie, you guys okay? I noticed you fell. You can say, yo, Siri, I'm cool. Or you can say, no, I need help, and Siri will call your neighbor or your building manager or whoever you program it to call. That's, that's outstanding. I think that, um, you know, you just, you, you touched on a point that I think we are probably not yet um, finished with, with talking about. I think we're going to be talking about this issue uh, for, for, for many, many um, months and years to come. And what sounds like uh, what's happening is that companies are really focusing in and leaning in on this. And I love the fact that Access Built is on the front end thinking about these issues and trying to advance all of our understanding around the importance of, of this category. Um, but I, I, what I also want to say is I want to thank you uh, for taking your time this morning and, and talking with us and sharing your insights, uh, sharing your passion for the category and how um, we, the future of living free for, for all humans um, starts here and starts um, every, you know, in Miami, it starts around the country and it starts a, at a community near you. So thank you for your time, your effort, and your service. Yeah, and I want to thank you as well, Peter, for the way Access Built thinks outside the box and incorporates all the different areas where we're seeing advancement uh, from construction to technology to hopefully improve uh, the lives of uh, people who need the help. So thank you for coming on. Well, I appreciate the time, guys, and just leave you with this thought that it's better to get things installed and fixed earlier to prevent uh, than to wait until you think you need them. That sounds like my body in general. <laughs> All right, Peter. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. 
We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.